KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now 106.3 FM as Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, talk sports with you for the next couple of hours. Uh, Thanks for carving out some of your morning here to spend with us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list today, uh, in hour number one, we're going to talk Big Ten and likewise with the Big 12. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN is scheduled to join us about 1025, although he did uh, send a caveat along with his acceptance of the invitation. Of course, if something breaks, he's going to uh, be called away uh, to his um, to ESPN.com to write about the story that would break, at least the one we hope will break at some point. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. As, uh, and I'll get to a tweet in a moment uh, from Minnesota football. The Gophers the in Gophers the news. The Gophers in the news, indeed. But we'll talk to Adam Rittenberg. If, uh, if indeed there is news in the next half hour, he won't join us. But Matt Postens will because we don't expect anything Big 12-related to break between now and 10.45. He covers the Big 12 at heartlandcollegesports.com. If you're a Big 12 fan, you should be familiar with this site. But if you're not... um Make a habit of going over there. Check it out. I think you'll be pleased. It's really good. It's all Big 12, uh, Big 12-centric, uh, and they do a nice job at Heartland College Sports. And Matt Postens joins us uh, throughout the football and basketball season. And then Zubin Mahente at about 11.20-ish, our friend from ESPN Radio, will join us. Zubin, Trent, and I, as we do every Tuesday in that time slot, we will go around the world of sports, football, basketball, Game 7 tonight, baseball in its final couple of weeks. They're moving towards a bubble and potentially with fans or a couple of bubbles potentially with fans uh, in the building for their playoffs had a couple of Monday night games last night Maybe my biggest takeaway well let me ask you what was your biggest takeaway from last night the Steelers can win the AFC yes Steelers can win the AFC with that defense with yep. Roethlisberger back the weapons they have on the outside. Yep. It's not just Juju. No, no, but, no, but no, no. That Johnson kid's going to be really good, even with his fumbled punt that he had. He's going to be a really nice player. I think uh-huh. he was targeted, what, 11 times, something like that in Did the game. Did they go that many? Chase Claypool, of course. He's yeah. gonna, uh, he's a nice player, and um, yeah, they got some guys over there. No That's going to be a really good team. I agree. He, he, Tomlin last year cobbled together with awful, awful quarterback mm-hmm. play. They're still 8-8 eight eight a year ago. They, they were a game away from making the playoffs last season. Now you get Ben back. You get a slim down Ben. Maybe looks like you know. Did this re- trimmed up? Yeah, revitalize him just a little I think bit. So and, maybe yeah. missed the game a little bit. No, yeah. look, he's the last one of that class still. St- uh, that's not true. Phil Perfers is too. <laughs> he is, though. Maybe he shouldn't be. Boy, <laughs> that performance. Yeah, that wasn't good. You know, my biggest takeaway last night was is if ABC gets back into the NFL business, mm-hmm. how are you going to say no to Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit? Boy, were they good? Huh? They were really good. Yeah. They were really, I mean, and, and Fowler's doing tennis, mm-hmm. and Herb Street's doing college football, and they had time in their schedules to be prepared for their first ever program. I get football's football, but college football and NFL football, they're different cast of characters, obviously. Man, they were really, really good. Of the two teams, Riddick is terrific, by Yes, the way. he is. Lewis Riddick is great. We were right on that one. We've yeah. said he needs the Monday night gig. He needs to that. stay at ESPN because I love him during the draft. Yeah, I, I love him there. I love him on NFL Live. Uh-huh. Anytime he's on the television, my ears perk up, and mm-hmm. I'm definitely listening to what he says because he knows the game from a player perspective, 
from a general manager perspective, mm-hmm. and he tells it in a way that is very easy to digest. I, I love that guy. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, no doubt about it. Levy and Greasy are fine, mm-hmm. uh, but, the, but, but the booth is better, I think, with Riddick and Greasy and Riddick, two former players' perspective, offense, defense, going back and you know sharing. Uh, I, I just thought it was a great broadcast, that one with Riddick, but boy, the early game. Trent, you're right on the money about Pittsburgh. I mean, here we go again, right? <laughs> right. This Pittsburgh-Baltimore rivalry, which was the rivalry for a 10-year period. You knew yeah. it was going to be within a field goal. Yeah. If there was ever, and every That's once right. in a while you could find a three and a half, some, one of the teams would be limping in or one of the other t- teams would be looking good. Two defenses led by nasty SOBs, James Harrison and Ray Lewis. Yes. And company, but both they both had help. And every single time, if you got that three and a half, you grabbed it yeah. because it was going to be a field goal game one way or the other. Yeah. I love that rivalry. That That's one that doesn't play, obviously, here in our outpost very well. But if you're a football fan, mm-hmm. you get into that mm-hmm. matchup. I wonder if they've got any. Well, you know what, Ken? Why don't you click? Bring it up. And see if we do have any prime timers. Well, between... as you look that up, we do have some breaking TV news coming up for this weekend. Oh. CBS has a 2.30 game this weekend. C- CBS does a 2.30 Big CBS. Of course, there is no SEC football. We're still a week so away. So who did they grab? Oh, they're going. Appy State at Marshall. Wow. You ready for that one? Appy State and Marshall? That's where Nestler will be on the call. It was scheduled for 221, CBS Sports it was, Network. Yep. And they moved that to 230? 230, yeah. CBS. Appalachian State, a top 25 team, Sunbelt champion a year ago, uh-huh. beating those Raging Cajuns twice last season. And Marshall's had a game under their belt uh-huh. as well. So and I looked really good. You know what? There's nothing in the middle of the afternoon. The best game in the middle of the afternoon, Trent. <sighs> Central Florida, Georgia Tech. I mean, Citadel, yeah. Clemson. That's pretty good, though. The, yeah, the, the Georgia Tech game's pretty yeah. good is what you're saying. Yeah, I agree with you, but it's nice to have something to flip back and you're forth right. to because right now, Charlotte, North Carolina, Florida, Atlantic, Georgia, Southern, Troy, no. Tennessee. <laughs> uh, Citadel, Clemson, yeah, that's good. I'm glad that they do that. They did park that there. So here's my question pursuant to if ABC, and the rumor is they're going to, that they're going to get back into the NFL business. Now, I don't know what that means. Uh, is it going to be a simulcast with that I don't think so. I think that they want their own... Standalone? That's what I'd read. And that, with it, it, they would O-Rand? get a Super Bowl. That's just it. Yeah. So if, if, if Herb Street and Fowler become the lead NFL broadcasters, mm-hmm. who takes over the lead college football slot? Would it be as simple as just moving Levy and Greasy back? Can you get away with them doing both games? You mean the A team? The A team. So Sunday night or Saturday we see that night, with Monday night, Thursday night, and Sunday night football. Yeah. It's one more day in between. Yeah. But think of the schedule as it would set up for those guys. Normally, I know because of game day, Herb Street gets there on Thursdays. All right, we're going to give you an extra day. You don't have to get in until Friday, whatever city you're going to. Take the plane, mm-hmm. and he leaves right after the, the Saturday night game, yep. regardless. So instead of going back home to Tennessee where he lives. Mm-hmm. Instead, he's going to the Monday Night Outpost. You got Sunday for your prep meetings, meeting with coaches, meeting with players. Relatively young guys still still have a lot mm-hmm. of energy left. Yeah, I could see that, Trent. I could see that. Maybe not a long term deal, but you do that for three, four, five years, something yeah. like that. And then, and then they settle into one of those two. I could see that happening because they're really good. I mean, yeah. I was blown away last night. Not that I expected them to be, you know, to be noticeably uh, poor. And to be overshadowing the football game because how bad the broadcast is, uh, but I didn't expect it to be on the complete other side of the of the coin. I mean, they were really good, well prepared. Yeah, which you hope for. It's not what they follow, but there was one mistake in the game, and the, and you know what? And it wasn't their. 
I think that they got led astray by John Perry, um, the and, uh, the official, their mm-hmm. their rules guy. There was a play early in the football game. Giants in the red zone, inside the 10-yard line. Daniel Jones drops back to pass. Did you see this? It was early. Daniel Jones comes forward with an empty hand. Mm-hmm. A lineman for the Giants falls on the ball in the end zone. Oh. Incomplete pass. Giants didn't challenge. Now, normally, you would think it would be Pittsburgh that would be challenged. Yeah, yeah. But the Giants, they can also challenge a play that you know on their own quarterback because it was clearly an empty hand. And had the Giants challenged, I think they would have been rewarded with a touchdown instead. Now, it didn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. They settled with a field goal. But John Perry was all confused, saying, no, that was the right move. Shouldn't challenge that. Shouldn't have stopped. He was thinking about it from the pers- the Pittsburgh perspective as opposed to, you know, Coach Judge, throw the freaking challenge flag. You would get a ch- touchdown out of this. Well, it did matter because though they got a field goal instead of a touchdown, well, that would have been a cover. No. <laughs> that, that mattered. Yeah, that's true. That mattered. Yeah. How long did you stay with your Broncos last uh, night? Into the third quarter. The, the first half wouldn't end. I mean, the end of the first <laughs> For half. For a 7-7 like, game. Holy crap. Just... I kept looking. These yeah. two teams are running the ball. What, what's I know. going on? And there was so many. I mean, how many times were they under the hood in the football game? Look, it, I, it, you got the right guy, though, in Jerry Judy. Yeah, I know he had a couple drops, of drops, yeah. but that dude. He's going to be a player, isn't he? When they showed him doing the his. Feet work, oh, work. my. Yeah. I've, I, of course, I don't do a whole lot in terms of oh. wide receiver watching them work out, but just watching him oh. and it, the routes that he ran. How he played in the second half of the game, mm-hmm. you got a dude there. Now, I agree with you 100%. Cortland Sutton would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, no offense to Tim Patrick, but Sutton's better. Get, get him back, and Locke looked okay. He looked okay. He missed a couple of wide-open receivers, mm-hmm. Trent. Uh, I love the fact that he can run around with the football. Yeah, look, I uh, if you're a Broncos fan, and I know there's some of you out there, um, I, I think you're not all in, but certainly, I mean, this is his fifth or sixth start of his career no OTAs he didn't go to camp last year as a starter Joe Flacco did he wasn't getting the reps a number of reps with the ones uh in, in the offseason so yeah I think there's something there so yesterday's show was us uh hollering quite a bit about Matt Campbell not using his timeouts late right how are you with Vic last night on- well here's the thing you know my biggest takeaway from this thankfully Bronco media asked Vic Fangio after the game what yeah. he was thinking. Mm-hmm. It made no sense. It was stupid what he did, or in this case didn't do, for him to not not use those timeouts. But at least he was forced to explain it. Explain it as poor and his, and, and, and his um, uh, just just a mess. Um, the decision that he made. But at least we know what he was thinking. Um, yeah, it was a mistake, Trent. It, it was. It was a mistake. Look, you get, would Brandon, have got the ball back with, what, about a minute 10? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And a couple of plays. And look, Brandon McManus is a guy who can kick 60-plus field goals and yeah. has in his career. Mm-hmm. In fact... And it's in mile high. And it's in mile high. He believes he's got 70 uh, in his uh, in his repertoire. So, yeah, I would have liked to have seen uh, an opportunity to do that. but uh, And the final play, I was I just wanted to see Locke unleash one to yeah, see what he had. I'm with you. And then what it went, about 20 yards yeah, in the air. Not good. Uh, Noah Fant was terrific in the first yes. half, and then they went away from him? Yeah, what was that? I don't know. Pat Shermer, I mean, this is working. You know, let's file this away for, uh, for the Pittsburgh game? No. Is Vic's dead man walking here, right? I don't know. They don't make the playoffs this year. But how from many last year, coaches the... can Elway fire? <laughs> That's a good point. Three... Different times. They had their lead in the last 30 seconds and lose those mm-hmm. games, and another one again last night. 
And I like that, the that's, guy. That's head coaching, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, in the last, NFL, last, when it's that tight. The, the timeouts, not using them, mm-hmm. were just egregious. I'm rooting for him. I love his story. Yeah. He's 60-something before he finally gets his first head coaching opportunity. Defensive mind. Um, Josie Jewell was good. Yeah. Josie Jewell was making plays. Looked like he uh, picked maybe a tick up on that 40. I, that's always been the knock against him. He's well, he's a tick slow. He came to camp in a real fight for his roster spot. I remember you saying that back in like late July. And then they had a couple of injuries, and uh, and, jo- and the do- door was open for Josie Jewell. Um, he was good. He, he was. really good. Yeah. Uh, Ojemudia. Had not the pick. Bad. Not bad, right? Had the pick that yep. was taken off the board. Yep. That was a great play, too. No, look at He was good, Trent. Yeah. I thought that uh, the Broncos swung and missed with him. Um, but we got to meet him last year at Big Ten Media Days. Yeah, that was and fun. He was, it was fun. I mean, this guy's we, got it made. He's going to hopefully carve out a nice NFL career. And then afterwards, oh, he's, though, he's just going to be an engineer and probably Trent. go back to Detroit yep. and uh, work for, for one of the car companies out there. Absolutely brilliant. I'll, I remember that. I'm glad you brought that up. That was a fun day. And, of course, we had Nate Stanley. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all though, right? That was the, we only. Yeah, had we two got those dogs. two. Yep, yeah, got, got those two. Anyways, oh, what uh, it seems like a long time ago. <laughs> yes, it it does. Well, How different the world was. Yeah, huh? really. Uh, here's the tweet from Minnesota football this morning that got a lot of people excited, myself included. Uh, if, if you're in front of your computer, there you can uh, check them out at Go for Football. No thanks. Uh, <laughs> this is their tweet. It's a, it's a trivia question. A Tuesday trivia. Hashtag Tuesday trivia. From Minnesota football. When was the last time the Gophers started a football season in October? Question mark. Ah, my guess would be World War II. Well, here's the here's the uh, choices, Trent. Uh, 1932, 33, 34, 35. Oh. I didn't even get that far. Oh, okay. I just thought, you, you know just... what? What are you guys up to over here? Uh-huh. You what know are you something. really trying to tell us? That's exactly how I took it. Yeah. So maybe the votes happen. Uh, I did agree. Who was it last night? Um, was it 40? Might have been Pat 40. And I agree with this wholeheartedly. Whenever we see the smoke coming out of the chimney and the decision has been made, either way, it's going to be announced as unanimous. Whether it was unanimous or not, it's going to be announced as we're all in unison. We're all in this together. We're going forward or we're not going forward. Now, I don't think the latter's going to be um, come to fruition. I believe they're going to play football, and it sounds as though maybe we're going to find out something today. If Gopher football is any indication, hinting, let's hope that they're right. Let's yeah. hope the Gophers got this one for once, and we we find out today that there's going to be football. You, you know, you look at what the Big Ten has gone through, and you mentioned that aspect of it. This going back to the announcement just over a month ago, August 11th, that they were doing away with football. At the time, hitting the pause button would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. But the Big Ten has a group that works with them in media relations, that works with them in public relations. Those people need to be fired. This has been, <laughs> handle it well. this has been yeah. as bad as you can anticipate. We've had our Big 12 jokes. They've been very easy going back to the Dan Beebe days. Uh-huh. Of all the jokes of the Big 12, there was never a moment like no. this. There was never a stretch nope. like this that it was this bad. And as pristine as this conference appears mm-hmm. to be and as buttoned up as they appear to be and want to be seen as, no, they've, had, they've mishandled it. There's no doubt about it. There's no sugarcoating that, Trent. It's been, uh, it's been bad. And now, whatever the plan is, and there's still some rumblings, you know, this might only be a seven-game regular season that they play. I haven't seen that one. And basically, that's to would that put, qualify you for the playoff if you only play seven? Well, it comes down. It's a committee. You know, there's yeah, not a benchmark true, right? that you have yeah, to hit. You know, a good point. It's not. 
where it's just you know, the old days you had to have a 500 yeah. record to get in the NCAA. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. It is a committee just selecting the teams, and there's nothing that says a minimum number of victories needed to get in. Yeah. The reason that would make sense, a seven-game schedule, is because you would be able to build in that bye week and with it be able to get. So in order to get seven, that's six against your division mm-hmm. rivals and one crossover to make that come to fruition. Need to get it in by December 19th. That sounds like... The SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, they're not going to kind of relinquish what they have right now. And the SEC is the only one of the Power Five, well, there's only three playing, um, that, that are right now scheduled to play on the 19th. Right, and there's flexibility the other two in the, on the 12th. Yeah. The ACC and Big 12 are on the 12th, and if the Big 12 has to push back, they would lose Jerry Jones, uh, the, the Jerry Dome. Uh, and they would go to where whatever the new home of the Texas it's Rangers. Globe is. Life. That is Globe Life. You're right. It is. Uh, so they would play at a baseball stadium if indeed they have to push back to the 19th. Well, I mean, look, selfishly, I'd love to see an eight-game schedule, right? <laughs> selfishly, I'd like to see ten. Of course. I wish Iowa already had a game under their belt against Maryland. Absolutely. and Preparing who, who, for whoever. Yeah, was keep... this the week the week that they were supposed to play on Friday night against Minnesota? Yeah, well, originally, yeah. Originally, Way back, right? yeah. Yeah, right after the Seahawks game. It was going to be a quick That's turnaround. That's right, short week. I We'd be that. three days away from Iowa, Minnesota, and here we are mm. just looking at the Gophers' Twitter account, hoping they're right, hoping uh, they have something for I, us. I think they are. I believe that they're going to be proven right. Well, so we'll see. So I watched some of your twins. That was my, uh, well, mm-hmm. you know, I, I shouldn't say the only other thing I watched other than football. I, I don't know how the Dallas Stars are in Stanley Cup final, but there <laughs> they are. Uh, and they're going to... If it's Tampa Bay, here's what I want you to check for me once Tampa Bay wins tonight, and I believe yeah. they will. I, I need a price on Tampa sweeping the, the Stars. Okay. I don't, I don't think they'll win a game, Dallas. What, what's your magic number? If it's over this, it's a bet on. Plus um, 250? Yeah, I would say somewhere yeah. around there. Because I think the, I think the favorite's going to be five. Mm-hmm. And then maybe six. And then four. And then back and then to seven. four. And then, yeah, six or plus. So, our seven, right. Um, but I watched your twins last night. Boy, Barrios was good. And he was. He's, he's really become a five-inning guy. And he throws a lot of pitches. He does. Yeah. Throws a lot of pitches. He was terrific last night. Cease was good last night. Dylan Cease, is, from what we saw at the beginning of the year, and it looked like the same old Dylan Cease. He throws hard, and it goes straight. And Major League Baseball players know how to hit that. Mm-hmm. He has added a lot more. There's a lot more movement. He's hitting the corners a lot better. He is turning into the guy that a lot of people anticipated he was going to be. He's a good pitcher. He's a guy that, at minimum, he's part of their top three come mm-hmm. the first round of the wild card no round question. of the playoffs. Yep. He is part of that for the White Sox. And when he pitches like that, Twins had so many opportunities. What, 10 walks in the game? I think there, the Twins. There was a pile. I think it was 10. Got the bases loaded again late in the game as it was still tied. Nelson Cruz coming to the plate. First pitch, ground ball to the shortstop, mm. and he had a lot of opportunities in that game. It was a frustrating one from a Twins perspective, but White Sox are a good team. Trent had the best record in the American League. And maybe the frustrating part is I continue to look at these standings. I, I think the White Sox are going to win this division. Mm-hmm. Twins will have the best, quote-unquote, second record of the teams that finished second in the division. Mm-hmm. And they'll be matched up with... Oh my God, are you kidding me? The New York Yankees. Because I think the Yankees are still going to catch your Blue Jays for that yeah, second spot in the East. I think East. so too. They're only the least. Astros are now under five hundred, mm. so they would be the number six seed. You know that Blue Jays. Just just real quick on the Blue Jays. This is a remarkable story. Trying they they've had have so many home, injuries and the injuries, and they don't have a home ballpark. Yeah. Um, they had no idea where they're going to play when the season started. 
That's just a pretty good story. It is. For a young baseball team uh, to be where they're at. And they're not going to catch Tampa. And I'm, I'm with you. I think the Yankees will eventually catch them in the last couple of weeks and, and, and move past them. But So there it is. The 4-5 matchup. Mm. Minnesota mm. gets the Yankees again. Maybe a three-game series is the magic elixir they need to get past them. Well, and they will be taking place, uh, not to be any fans. Well, they're going to move everything? Is that Was that the plan? So I just saw something come across Twitter that the Players Association has come together now. With the with Major League Baseball and it will be neutral. I haven't seen anything as it pertains to what the particulars are going to look like. You know, initially I'd heard a lot that these wild card round games were going to be played in the home ballpark of the teams that had mm-hmm. the top four seeds. I don't know if this takes that away and they're going to go completely neutral, but it'll be National League will be in Texas, American League will be in California. That's mm-hmm. the way that they have it set up. Petco, Dodger Stadium. And uh, Houston and Texas, Arlington for for the two in the National League. No home field that go along with it. But you mentioned you saw something, what, that maybe letting some fans in? Too uh, yesterday, uh, Rob Manfred was on, uh, I don't know, somebody's podcast, and he mentioned that they are tinkering with allowing some fans during the postseason. I mean, put them in the upper deck. Yeah. you. We've seen it here in football. You can socially distance. Right. Look what the Chiefs did. You can have people yep. spread around. Jacksonville had fans. Chiefs had fans. Number of college You're not going to have players hanging over the dugout uh-uh. or fans hanging over the dugout looking down. No. Right. You, you keep that area roped off and you keep the put separation. It, put them in the upper deck. And you, I mean, don't sell every seat in the upper deck, mm-hmm. but you, you can find a way to do this. Hey, just real quick, uh, congratulations to Van Harden, who announced his retirement here this morning. Yeah. Uh, what an incredible, incredible. I mean, this guy's been on the radio since the 70s. Really? Yes. I mean, he was a young kid uh, when he started radio wise, but he's been obviously Van and Bonnie. Van and was a Van and Connie before I, that. I think so, yeah. And then Van and Bonnie. And now there's, they're in the process of finding a new Bonnie. Well, now they got to find a new Van. Van, mm-hmm. uh, but a remarkable, remarkable run out of uh, Van Harden, who by a long ways has been on the radio in Des Moines uh, for a far longer time than anybody else. Incredible. So I've told you before, my dad and, and my grandpa, they... And, hauled, and, and you couldn't find a nicer guy, by the way. Very true. Right. They hauled milk down here to Des Moines from North Iowa, and they, they take the trip down, and it was WHO in the radio in the cab of the semi seemingly every single day, and I remember listening to it very vividly. And my dad was visiting here, oh, it was before the pandemic, so it was probably actually about last year at this time. When people were allowed in the building. Right. And he wanted to come see where I work, so I brought him in here, and boy, this is a lot nicer than the old digs he worked (laughs) in. Yes, it is, Dad. And I mentioned, you know, that's that's where Van Harden, that's his studio right down there. And is he around? Was he starstruck? He was. Really? And and I introduced him, and my dad just thought that was the coolest moment and thought how awesome that was to meet somebody that he listened to for decades on the air, driving every morning, getting up at 3.30 in the morning, getting the milk by 4, and listening to Van on his drive to Des Moines. Because Van went on the air every day at 4.58, that show started. 4.58. Crazy. Uh, Congratulations. Now the uh, hunt is on for the next Van Harden. Not too big shoes to fill there. (laughs) Well, the good thing is he doesn't wear shoes. Which is the craziest thing, right? I mean, this is, I've never worked with anybody who, we, I don't want to tell the story, <laughs> but you kind of let us, he doesn't wear shoes. Yeah. He walks around sock feet all day, mm-hmm. all day. Nothing wrong with that. Well, at home, on. in your living room. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, that's fan. Couldn't be a nicer I guy. I might kick off my shoes in, in Well, that's okay. You're in honor of glass. fan. That's what we're going to do on yeah. his last show day. Yeah. Everyone walk around in their, walk in their around stocking feet. In, in the hallways in your, so- in your, in your socks. Uh, Adam Rittenberg coming up next. Matt Poston's on the Big 12 to follow. Zuba Mahente at 1125. Who's going to take that spot, by the way?
Oh, I have no clue. You know the the radio people that have been in here a lot longer. Oh, it's, a na- it's a nationwide search, though. I don't know if it is. No? You need Iowa. You do you need, need Iowa. that knows about the butter cow. <laughs> right. right? You yeah. do. I'm, yeah. I'm not being facetious. No, you're exactly right. That knows every nook and cranny of the Iowa State Fair, as mm-hmm. Van does. I, I threw out a name of the quarter office. Oh, yeah? Yeah. No, I did. Me? No, not you, Trent. I, I'm not giving you up. I, I, I've... I've lived here forty years. Yeah, that's true, but I'm no, no, uh, I don't know the fair very well. Anyways, we'll see. It's it's um, uh, big shoes to fill. Miller and Condon, Adam Rittenberg next. Matt Postens to follow on the Big Twelve. Adam Rittenberg, of course, on the Big Ten with ESPN. Speaking of ESPN, Zubin Mahente will be here in an hour. We're here until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six. affiliate. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Uh, just one more note on Van Harden retiring at WHO. Andrew Downs just told me in the break that the final, his final show, whatever day it's going to be in January, mm-hmm. will be 50 years to the day when he first went on the radio. Wow. 50 years to the day. That's, That's carving out a career. Yeah, indeed it is. Adam Rittenberg joins us. He's had a nice career in his own right uh, as he writes for ESPN.com. Uh, Adam, thanks for coming on. We certainly appreciate it. Trent Condon, Ken Miller in Des Moines. How are you, Adam Rittenberg? Hey, doing great. How you guys doing? Doing well. So we know that at any moment you could have to uh, hang up the phone and say, guys, i got to go because I've got to write a story. And we certainly hope that that's the case, Adam Rittenberg, not that we don't want to talk to you. Uh, do you think that we're going to hear anything today? Will there be clarity today, or what are they waiting for at this point to the Big Ten, and will they or won't they announcement? Yeah, you know, we hope we hope there's an answer uh, uh, of today. We thought maybe it would come Sunday or, or Monday, but no, uh, n- nothing yet today. A lot of lot of people, you know, kind of in the dark and, and waiting for some type of resolution from the president. But uh, but nothing has come yet. Adam, uh, over the weekend, it felt almost inevitable that it was going to happen. We were going to have some kind of announcement as this now drags here into Tuesday. Is that? Should that maybe cause some concerns for football fans that we're going to get it back? Where do you think we are right now and waiting for that decision? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I still tend to think that, that the optimism that, you know, was there over the weekend and certainly the, the um, comprehensiveness of the, of the presentation that was uh, given to the presidents from the Big Ten return to task force or return to competition task force, especially the medical group, um, is encouraging towards a possible return to competition. But, you know, it's been a couple of days. There doesn't seem to be great urgency uh, from the president to make a decision. I know they don't want to be pressured into it, whether it's from politicians, whether it's from coaches or parent groups or, you know, just, just pick a, uh, a, a, a constituency that wants to see football. They don't want anything to force them to make a decision, at least many of them, until they're ready to do it. And they're clearly not ready to do it. Um, and so, obviously, you know, they had a lot of information they uh, they took in over the weekend. I think they're discussing that on their campuses. They obviously have other issues that are going on on, the, on their campuses as well. Your Wisconsin Chancellor Rebecca Blank is speaking to a Senate committee right now. So there's mm-hmm. other items on their agendas. But I, I, I do think just given the urgency of the, of the situation, um, it would be beneficial to have a resolution 
uh, uh, sooner than later, especially if that resolution is, uh, you know, having competition here starting in mid-October. Adam, I don't know what to make of this. I, I'm trying to read something positive into Minnesota. Go, the Gophers football Twitter account. No. I'm not sure if you saw the tweet or not. I, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so optimistic this is going to happen. But when you saw the Gophers tweet out the trivia question, when was the last time the Gophers started football in October? I read something into that, Adam. Did you? No, yeah, you know, I used to check with Minnesota, you know, just to say, hey, you guys hearing anything? And and, and I was told not just was just a tweet. Uh, maybe they're just having a little fun with it, but but no inside information coming from Minnesota. Um, but maybe just getting us ready for the possibility of, of an October start um, uh, to the season. And uh, yeah, but but nothing, nothing, uh, no 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 major keys there is what I was told. Um, I think everybody's just waiting for some news. I just had a source text me that this is that, te- that selecting a pope is easier than um, <laughs> than getting a or less complicated than 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 making this decision from the Big Ten. Waiting for the white smoke to come up from the Big Ten yep. offices there in Rosemont. And Adam, you'd be able to probably see it if we uh, do get that to come down. Adam Rittenberg joining us from ESPN.com. Adam, a uh, question that we were talking about a little bit earlier: six, seven, eight games, whatever that turns out to be. Let's just take Ohio State. They're the easiest one. They lose a regular season game. What does say a seven and one Ohio State team getting into the college football playoff? SEC is playing ten league games. How big of a demerit do you believe that would be if we ultimately get to that spot? Right, I think it would be fascinating, and that's something we never had to deal with before. Uh, at least with um, with uh, you know we had we did have to deal with the Big Twelve not having a championship game in the first year of the playoff, and they obviously rectified that. But to have a situation where a team would play you know, you know multiple less games and some of the other competitors trying to get in the playoff would be a fascinating you know kind of case study of how the committee looks at it because you know many objectively look at Ohio State as a top four team entering the season and want to see them get in the playoffs somehow just because they're that good with Justin Fields and, and all the talent that they have and obviously being part of the playoff last year. So uh, I think having a, a, a season where they have a loss would make it really difficult. Would it be impossible? It really just depends on what happens elsewhere. Um, and, you know, the fact is the SEC is playing more conference games this year than they typically do. They're playing two more conference games than they typically do. So the chance of having you know, multiple undefeated teams coming out of the SEC I think goes down significantly just because of their schedule model. Uh, you know, the, the, the ACC is playing more conference games this year than they typically do. And so while Clemson looked dominant on Saturday night at Wake Forest and clearly is the most talented team in the league, you know, they have more, more losable games on their schedule than in a typical season. And so I think it would be really interesting to see, you know, usually the playoff, as you guys know, uh, last year being sort of the exception is a beauty contest of one lost team. Mm-hmm. Now this year it could be a really unique beauty contest of one lost teams or even two lost teams, depending on how it goes in those in those conferences. So uh, I'm really interested to see. We know Texas or Oklahoma will have at least one loss because they play each other. So at least one of them is going to have a loss. Uh, they look very good in their in their opening performances, and, and to me, really look like the only two. Uh, playoff. Well, Oklahoma State, I'll throw them in for now, but really those two, I think, are the playoff contenders out of the Big 12. So, uh, you know, I think Ohio State not having uh, or having a loss on its resume, you know, with uh, you know possibly an eight-game schedule versus a ten-game schedule 
might uh, might make it difficult for them to get in. Going to be interesting. Adam, I've seen conflicting reports, and I'm going to butcher his name in all likelihood. The president of Michigan, Shalissel, Dr. Shalissel, I'm close. Shalissel, uh, yeah. Yep. yep. So I, I've seen that he was uh, steadfast against not playing when the announcement was first made, but he may have been, uh, after this weekend's meeting, may have had a change of heart, and apparently he was one of the one of the presidents that had really dug in his heels against not playing football until January at the earliest. Do you know where he stands today? Were the reports that he's having a change of heart with this new information that's been presented? Because if Michigan, if they move from the no to the yes column, that would seem you know pretty favorable that uh, we are going to have football. Where is Schlissel? Yeah, you know, it, it really depends on who you talk to. I, you know, some Michigan sources I, I, I've, I've reached out to still express some skepticism about where he's at. Um, and you're right. He certainly was one of the more, um, you know, pro postponement presidents when they made their initial uh, decision. And he's got background in, in medicine as a doctor and in infectious diseases. And so in some cases, he's, or in, in, in some respects, he's the most informed president on that group in this particular area that we're dealing with in the pandemic. And so, uh, but there's also problems on their campus. I don't know how much you guys have followed this, but their graduate students are on strike. Um, mm. about, uh, about, you know, just was, you know, not, not feeling safe to be on campus. You had some videos that were sent from students that were put in these, uh, you know, less than ideal dorms when, and, and quarantine, uh, that have tested positive for COVID-19. So there's a lot of problems that Mark Schlissel is dealing with at Michigan. And do you want no football or being opposed to football to be one more issue that you're dealing with when most of your constituency wants to play? Um, I don't know. I, I think these presidents ultimately are, are unpredictable. But to your point, if if he's one of them that flips, I think it would be significant. Um, and you heard the comments on Monday from Wisconsin Chancellor Rebecca Blank about her belief that the Big Ten will go forward together mm-hmm. or not go forward together. It's not going to be a situation where some schools opt out and most of the league plays. And so, uh, you know, again, I, I still feel like this is on a positive track. The frustrating thing is that it has not been decided. And so we don't know that until it actually is, uh, is confirmed by the Big Ten presidents. But, um, you know, I, I think her comments, a lot of people thought, thought those were negative. I actually thought those were positive in saying a couple of things, not just that all schools would go or all the Big Ten would go on together or not, but also saying that the things had changed dramatically in her words since October or since August 11th. And, and the, the information that's changed dramatically that's most important is the medical information. And that's why the bulk of the meeting over the weekend was on, on what has changed medically since the initial postponement. And her comments as well, I thought that they were important because earlier in the morning, I mean, Dan Patrick has got a pretty big platform. He was the one that was putting it out there that there will be schools not playing, but the handful of schools remain will play some sort of a schedule. So he had a bunch of schools... Uh, not playing, but the other ones would go forward. I'm glad that she did that because there was some misinformation out there, as there's been throughout this entire process. Yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of that in this, in this process, <laughs> yeah. guys. If you follow this yeah. story, other part uh, rapid testing a big piece, but the continued concerns about myocarditis. What can you tell us on that front? I I saw you uh, reposted an article, retweeted uh, yesterday, talking about Ohio State, one of the co-authors of of the study, saying that it's no reason to cancel college football. What can you tell us on that front? Yeah, I think there was a lot of concern about myocarditis a month ago. Some of the the news reports, but also anecdotal evidence, the Indiana offensive lineman, Mm -hmm. his mother posting on Facebook about 
what her son had been through. And you know, there was a Florida, former Florida State basketball player who had had COVID, who had uh, collapsed and died, I think, in Europe. That was something that was concerning to these presidents. But I, I think, you know, the, the more recent information, kind of on the whole, but especially about myocarditis, seems to be more encouraging that if, you know, if, if as, as long as it, it's, if you do your screenings and you identify anybody that has it and don't put them back on the field or the court uh, before they've recovered, I don't think there's as much concern. And I've talked to coaches who say myocarditis has been on their uh, radar for years and they've tested it. They test every year for it. And uh, it, it occurs even before COVID and they, and they manage it. But, you know, I, you know, anytime there's a heart issue and, and anytime it's something that, that could lead to a significant uh, health issue or, or unfortunately a death, it's, it's going to be uh, something the presidents are concerned about. But the, the, you know, the comments from the, the co-author of that study at Ohio State and the Columbus Dispatch were encouraging. The other thing, too, is that uh, Dr. Jim Borchers, who's the lead team physician at Ohio State and also was involved in that study, you know, I, I've heard he's maybe the most important voice mm. that they're hearing from uh, in this presidential group because he's, or sorry, in the return to competition group because he has co-chaired the medical subcommittee with Sandy Barber. He has spoken uh, to, to that group and to others around the conference several times in the past week. And then this weekend, they were able to uh, have him speak to the president. And so that's uh, that's that, that's a very important figure in this. I think if the Big Ten uh, comes back uh, in, in relatively short order, you'll hear a lot of people trying to take credit for it, from the president to senators to Sir Yacht. Uh, not to say not, not yes, yeah, Sir Yacht. Not, <laughs> not not saying uh, not saying they don't have some role, but I, I would say that Dr. Borges at Ohio State would be a pretty important figure if the Big Ten gets back on the field. Adam Rittenberg can't wait to read that story about the Big Ten getting back onto the field, and we hope to read it today at ESPN.com. Adam, thank you. Appreciate would you carve out time for us. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, I hope to write it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. yeah, me too. Good to talk to you. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. From the Big Ten to the Big 12, Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports joins us next. Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KXNO. 10- Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Coming up to leadoff hour number two, Van Harden's going to slide in here. He came up with the name KXNO. Pretty good I, call. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, I just went down the hall to ask him to come on and share that story, and he said to me, you ought to hear what we almost called it. Oh! And I have no idea what that could be, so we'll all find out together. Uh, let's find out uh, some Big 12 uh, intel from our friend Matt Poston's HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Matt, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on, Matt Poston's. Your biggest takeaway from, well, Big 12's first week, but week two overall, what was your biggest <laughs> takeaway from this past weekend? Ah, well, I think that, um, you know, I think different teams handled the, the lack of contact and the unusual circumstances of the ramp up to this season a little better than others. Um, you know, I watched the K State game and I watched the Kansas game. And between those two teams, you know, really played about one good half. Um, Kansas just completely laid an egg. I didn't watch the Iowa State game, but. Uh, obviously, they lost by double digits to, uh, to Louisiana. You know, it, it, I think the teams that had more experience on their roster, the teams that had, um, you know, more, you know, experience at that level, you know, Clemson, Texas, you know, those sorts of schools, they didn't struggle too much. So, 
honestly didn't play teams that were necessarily all that great. Texas played UTEP. They were a one-win team last year. Um, you know, Kansas State played an 11-win Louisiana team. You know, Kansas played a Coastal Carolina that had beaten them the year before. Um, I'm sorry. Iowa State. Lost to an 11-win. Uh, Arkansas State was a team that won eight games last year and beat Kansas State and did it without eight starters. So, um in the reshuffling of all the schedules, uh, some teams went out and got some higher quality opponents than they were probably expecting to play, and they kind of paid for it a little bit. So it was a bad week for the Big 12, and the 0-3 against the Sun Belt certainly going to be an issue. But Kansas State, Kansas, and Iowa State are not going to play in the college football playoff. Does this do anything at all to a one-loss Oklahoma or a two-loss conference champion how big of a demerit do you believe this is going to be for the conference and in the upper levels? Or by the time we get to November, December, it'll all just be waters off a of duck's back. I, I tend to think it'll all just be you know water under the bridge because let's just assume that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 still don't play. And I know they're still trying to figure out if they're going to try and make it back in October or November or not. Uh, you not only have those two conferences that are in the landscape, you know, Mount West and Mac aren't playing either, so. You know, there are 78 FBS teams that are playing right now. So, um, theoretically, you know, given the fact that uh, four or five conferences aren't playing this year, um, the Sun Belt might look better by comparison by the end of the season than, say, some of the other, um, you know, Power Five conferences or the group of five conferences that are out there. So, you know, I tend to think that if you're undefeated, as long as there's only four undefeated teams, that's the other. I think that's a bigger variable than anything else. As long as there's only four undefeated teams that get to the end of the season, uh, I tend to think that those... Having a little trouble with you, Matt Postens. Can you hear us? I think we've lost Matt. I think we've lost him. He seems like... There there you are. Go ahead. No problem. I was just saying, um, you know, I I think uh, any team that finishes undefeated, as long as they're are only four undefeated teams uh, will make the playoff this year. And, you know, a one-loss Oklahoma, you know, it, that loss is going to be hmm. in conference loss and any Power 5 conference hurts you that much. Uh, I did not uh, purchase the Oklahoma game. I saw highlights uh, throughout the throughout the night games. They weren't going to show him making a bad play. I'm referring to Spencer <laughs> Rattler. But every time that they did show a highlight – uh, the ball was going way down the field and he hitting whatever receiver he had chosen uh, in in, uh, in stride in full flight. Uh, Spencer Rattler's first start against again against a bad Missouri State team, but what we saw out of him in highlights, he certainly looks the part. Oklahoma, surprisingly enough, might have another good quarterback. Yeah, surprisingly enough, I think the advantage that Spencer has is that he's been in that program for a year. Um, you know, I, I heard some people making hay about the fact that, you know, Lincoln's only worked with, you know, guys who've transferred in. And, you know, while that's true, I, I think his system works just as well for a five-star guy like Spencer Rattler, who obviously obviously has the skill set to be successful in that offense. He's got a great arm. Uh, he sees the field well. He can run the ball. He's got good tools around him. Uh, you know, I, and like I said, I think the advantage that he's had is he had a, a year behind Jalen Hurts to learn how to handle things from him. He's had a year in that offense to really kind of understand how things work. And, you know, I really don't see them missing much of a beat. You know, Missouri State is an Oklahoma State, obviously. But, um, you know, having spent a year watching in the Big 12, you know, learning what those big games are like, 
and then just, you know, having the opportunity to kind of finally unleash your talent. Uh, that, that's the, uh, he had a really good debut, I thought, on uh, Saturday night. Well, uh, a game that wasn't originally on the schedule came together very quickly, and I think the most certainly intriguing of the Big 12 and one of the best of the weekend. Houston Baylor coming up this weekend down in your neck of the woods in Texas. Fill us in how this came together and came together incredibly quickly. Well, Houston had a game, I think, uh, Saturday, this coming Saturday, and I believe it was with, I want to say it was with Memphis, and Memphis is having issues right now. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, was, it was a conference game, so they, they're, they're postponing that game. So uh, Houston ended up with an open game on their schedule. Obviously, Baylor had an open date because their game on the 12th got postponed. Uh, so they're going to they're gonna hook up uh, Saturday, I think, in, in Waco and play their first games of the season. I honestly wouldn't be surprised at all if Baylor uh, took care of business pretty easily. Mm. Um, you know, I was at the opening game uh, for Houston last year against Oklahoma, and that was when they had De'Eric King at quarterback, and Oklahoma just drilled, just drilled them. And I don't think Houston is as good this year as they were last year, and, and Houston wasn't very good last year. So uh, I, I suspect this is going to be a pretty easy win for Baylor, and I, I think a good opportunity for them to kind of work out the cobwebs before they get into the conference play the following week. Speaking of that, um, will I think TCU will be the only Big Twelve team that doesn't have a game because Oklahoma State Tulsa rescheduled for this week, so TCU yeah. would be the only one of the schools that would not have played a game prior to the twenty sixth. Correct? Am I missing anybody? I don't think I am. Nope. I think I don't think you are. I think that's a huge disadvantage for them. Yeah. You know, usually you want to have at least one conference, one non-conference game before you get into league action to kind of work some of those things out that you naturally have to work out. Uh, the fact that TCU isn't going to have that opportunity, you know, especially when you think about the fact that, you know, there's still, you know, I still, I still think they have questions at the quarterback position, and that's the most important position in this conference. Um, I think that's a big deal going into their opener and something to follow. I think that puts them at a big disadvantage. I expect their defense to be really good, as always. They've got some really good talent on that side of the football. Uh, but as they proved last year, when they're, when they're unable to move the football consistently, uh, they're not going to win. Uh, Matt, last thing for you. We know you also cover the, uh, the Cowboys as well. Um, Eagles get beat. Giants got beat last night. Cowboys got beat on Sunday night. Washington, but <laughs> they're the lone team that's uh, you know in the win column. But what is when you watch the Cowboys? Because I still think eventually that they're they're going to win the division. Hell, we're only one week into it; they're fine. But you get my point. Um, what what did you? What's the um, concern? I guess for the Dallas Cowboys uh, going into the uh, week two and the rest of the season. Uh, just watching that game last night, you know, a couple of things stick out. Number one, I really think that once they get um, the defensive line rotation the way they want it. I think that defensive line is going to be a really difficult piece to deal with. You know, Alvin Smith had a really he good game. He was really good. Um, he was really good. And, and they've got a lot, enough pieces there to where I think they can really get some consistent uh, pressure on any quarterback in the league. I think the two things that concern me are, one, the injuries. You know, Leighton Bonderish is going to miss half the season now with a collarbone injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake Jarwin's out for the year, so they're, they're missing some pieces on both sides of the football, which you know, is inevitable, but I, I don't really recall any other NFL team having a, a sig- really serious injury like those two uh, to begin the opening weekend. And then the other piece is just, you know, continuing to watch this offense. I felt like they could have given the ball to uh, Ezekiel Elliott a little bit more 
especially in the fourth quarter. I thought they were they were moving the ball effectively on the ground. Um, they're still working on the chemistry between C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott mm-hmm. and everybody else in this offense. But um, you know, it, it's it's going to be a, a a process over the first few weeks. I didn't see a whole lot of creativity in the playbook the first week, but you know, you got to think about the fact that they had no preseason. Yeah, that's just scrimmages. It. And they've, they've got to work some of those things out. I would expect that offense to get more creative and more efficient as the, as the season goes on. Matt, we're out of time. Thank you, Matt Postens. Appreciate what you do for us. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Matt Postens. Heartland College Sports. All right, so what was KXNO going to be called if they not chosen KXNO.com? Van Harden will do, tell us next. I'm, I'm very intrigued by I this one. Too. Boy, they came up with an incredible set of call letters, though. Did they not? Uh, we will hear from Van Harden, who announced his retirement this morning. He's next. Ubin Mahente as well. 1460 106.3 FM.